Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I I improvise on every interview that I do, yeah. But I but improvisation shows I like yeah. to watch oh, them, but it, they terrify me. The thought of it. You watch whose lines it anyway? Back in the day. Yeah, I did. I loved it, but I wouldn't want to be on it. We loved that as a family. It was one of the things. No, I know that it was and, great. That and Blackadder. Never got into Blackadder. Lincoln absolutely loved it. Oh, I love Blackadder. I love Rowan Atkinson. I mean, I like Rowan Atkinson, but Blackadder never ever. Two shows that that were absolutely massive, massive, massive that I could not get away with was Blackadder. And only fools and horses. Oh. I think I probably never invested enough time in it, but but yeah. So the unstructuredness is something that a- appeals to me. Are we recording? Just I'm just testing all the mics and stuff. Um, Lincoln, can you just clap? Oh no, Denise, could you clap in front of your face, please? One more louder. Perfect. Thank Ow. you. Ow. <laughs> Sorry. Got a bit of ring sting. <laughs> Ring sting, yes, hello. Um, so on the Romish and Tom podcast, they talk about... On the who? Romish Ranganathan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk about, um, they keep talking about this pebble, this arse pebble. Have you heard about it? An arse pebble? It's a big controversy because Tom, we, we know, nobody knows if Tom's pulling Romish's leg. But apparently he keeps a very smooth pebble in the freezer for the day after he has hot curries. And puts it up his bum. Up his bum. They had the Curry Awards. There's the Curry Awards of tonight. No, they, they were put, last night. They were last night. Because I saw on I saw on I saw on uh, Twitter that um, that Charlie Mullins was going to it with Rara. I saw a picture of them. And um, Stephen was I was, there. That should be that should be. You know when they they think about what they should put on the table for when people sit down. Yeah. It's this lovely polished pebble. One 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 one. And then they can use that for later. They have the curry one, and they one, 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 stick that up the flute. Well, it's a because pre- you know you get these presents at dinners. You don't want them, dear. I mean, what like it's a table favour, like yeah, at a the, wedding. You know when they give you the bags with all of the goodies and yeah, the sponsor people. Just have a cold pebble. I've never picked one of those bags up in my life. 
Or if I've ever left it in a black cab. I've never ever taken one of those, but I'd certainly take home that pebble. Well, yeah, because we don't go to the ones like after the... Well, We'd have to come with instructions, though. No, but the thing is, like after the Oscars... You no, get... if you know. No, but after the Oscars, you get like a bloody Rolex watch or something in there. Yeah, you I know. know, but no, I haven't been to the Oscars. First of all, I want lots of sympathy because I'm not very well and I know I've been really raggy. Well, you could do with a pebble. <laughs> I could do with well, I could do with a throat yeah. pebble maybe or a cork. No, no, no. I could do with a cork at the minute actually, just to put a finer point on it because I've not been very well, and I'm sick of not being well, DK. Because I had bloody COVID a month ago, and I feel like I've only just got properly over that. Mm. I mean, that's not true. I had it for seven days, but I felt really rough. And then I've been waited on by my husband for the last couple of days, but. I've made up for it this morning. So you're on, I ask everyone this, are you on the way down or are you on the way up? I'm on the way up. Oh, that's good. I'm on the, I'm on the way up. The trouble is, I'm from the, the show must go on background. Mm. That is who I am and how I was brought up and how I have been in this industry. Now, with the young'uns, at the risk of, like Louis says, oh, not the old tin bath story, um... They stay off if they've lost an eyelash, you know, and uh, but the trouble is what the last few years has done. We now can't do right for doing wrong because we used to just go in regardless. Now, if you go into to work situation, not 100 percent, everyone does the running away and cowering away from you because you're not well. Mm. But if we all stayed off with every little ache or pain or cold, the workforce would collapse. Mm. So. I never know what to what what to do. But here I am. And this morning I was a bit raggy in the car. And Link said, should we just turn around and go home? 15 times. 15 times because he didn't like me very much because I was being raggy. My thing is, you can't just not go to work because you want to punch each other in the face on the way. Because it's very rare that we that row. Right? No, but it is rare that oh, we row, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. I'd rather just get it out. Yeah. Lincoln's defensive. When you row, you row well and you get it done. We get it done, but then we move on very quickly. Very quickly, I think. Oh, but, yeah, we do move on. Because you're very quite. Quickly, yeah. Lincoln's quite well, defensive. Here, very defensive, aren't you? Well, if I've got something to defend, yeah. No, what I mean is, if I, if I say I don't agree with you, you can throw your toys out the pram about stuff. Not very often. Eee! No, not very often. No, I agree no, with that. Not very often. But I anyway, let's move... go back to the pebble. I think we. <laughs> I think we move. No, I think how to row is an interesting subject because I think that we, when we do row, which is not often, we do move on quickly and we don't harbour grudges. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't. No, we don't. There's no. There's, a, there's no grudges to be held, is there? So it's not. You know, just get on with things. <laughs> So when I woke up this morning, I had several messages from my friends who'd been on the guest list at the 1975 show in L.A. We're not in L.A., night. by the way. Just no, we're not in, we're not in L.A. Yeah. No. And I was gutted because we'd really we'd really hoped that we could be at the L.A. gig because we've got so many friends out there. Oh, I see. So um, are they just doing the one there? They're just, yeah, they're doing, I think, yeah, they're just doing one. They've, they've done San Diego and they're doing San Francisco, but they do one in L.A. 
And um, my friend Shirley Ballas, Strictly Come Dancing Shirley, rang me this morning just before we left because her son, Mark Ballas, who's just won Dancing with the Stars in LA, I think he's one of the best dancers I've ever seen. He's a pro, is he? He's a pro dancer. Oh, he's incredible, yeah. And he hadn't done it for years because he's been concentrating on his singing career. And with his wife, um, B.C. Jean, who wrote um, If I Was a Boy for Beyonce. And... um, so they're a you know proper sort of power couple in the creative industry, but he hasn't done Dancing with the Stars for years, and he thought he'd left that side of his career behind. Got persuaded to do it again this year, and has won the Glitter Ball. Mm-hmm. And if you get a chance to have a look on his Instagram or or on YouTube at his dancing, he's magnetic. And I've got to know him. I've never met him in person yet, but got to know him quite well on FaceTime and stuff through Shirley. Anyway, he was on the guest list um, last night and he said it was awesome. And they were all at the after party, um, but he couldn't quite see Matty because it's, I'm sure there's loads and loads of people. Apparently Angelina Jolie was there and what, whatever at this show last night. So it sounded quite quite something didn't it is it still going on now well i would time difference well it's certainly it, the after show party is still going on now whether or not matty will be there i don't know not because you know he'll be knackered um but obviously there's some places where they're not going to have much of a guest list because they won't have a connection with that city or town but places like la new york london you know mm-hmm. manchester guest as you can imagine mm. is pretty um is, is is pretty pretty hectic so it all sounds. Um, it all sounds. It all sounds good. When mm. do they come to the UK? January. Um, we're going to go. I'm. I'm going to take a few people to Brighton. Oh, they're playing in Brighton. Yeah, they're playing in Brighton. Where in Brighton? I used to live in Brighton. They don't have that big a venue in Brighton, do they? Con- I don't know. Concord is it? I don't, what's the Concord? It's the biggest venue I know in Brighton, but they might have one that's sort of out, out from the city centre. Because there's nothing big. There's nothing. There's no arena based. No, there's the no arena. Center. Maybe they're doing um, Bright the football club, Brighton football oh, club. Because that's Ballas just got home. Amazing night, um, so fun with um, lovely piss picture of him, <laughs> him and his wife. Eighth of Jan, the Brighton Centre. The Brighton Centre. Yeah, never heard of it. The Brighton Centre. Brighton Centre. Did you used to live in Brighton? My parents have got a place down there. Because I used to live in Brighton. Whereabouts? Kemptown. Oh, that's where, right? that's where our place is. Yay! Yeah. I'm, well, we're on Marine Parade, just down from Kemptown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on Eastern Avenue. Ah. So just up. You're up, Just yeah. one up on, on, on the road, same yeah. road as the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's where I used to live. I love Brighton. When did you live there? I lived there when I was, um, during my first marriage, that I don't talk about very often. Um, and I went down there. So let me just think. It was in the 80s. And I went down there. There was a theatre company called Brighton Actors Workshop, which was above the Nightingale pub. So as you get off the train, you look over to the right and there's the Nightingale mm-hmm. pub or tavern mm-hmm. or whatever it was called. And above it was this space. And it was a, an actor's workshop for when you were out of work. So the deal was a fringe sort of fringe idea you know the the idea was that you that you congregated there and you picked these fantastic plays and you got some amazing directors and amazing actors but the deal was that if you got a paid acting job you could leave whether that was the night of opening or i mean obviously very rarely did it happen but i remember i was rehearsing a carol churchill play 
and I had to pull out because I got a, a job. But I did some of my best work work at Brighton mm -hmm. Actors Workshop. I mm -hmm. absolutely loved it. And I was doing the play Gaslight. Mm -hmm. um, and um, my friend Rose had just had a breakup and she was really unhappy. So I got her the job as the maid. Rose in in in, oh, a, in, right. in gaslight. Oh, really? I didn't know you both worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and she um came down to do it, and I fell in love with Brighton, and I always wanted to live there. So subsequently, I did. And then when I eventually um moved out of Brighton, I always remember thinking if I I wanted to go near a home, and especially when I was pregnant, not with that person. I, I always said that if I could have moved Brighton nearer to the northeast, I would have done mm. it. I, what I loved about Brighton was it was one of those seaside resorts that doesn't get depressing in the winter. It has a it has a an ambiance and a feel of its own in the mm. winter, whereas some seaside resorts get really grim in the winter. Mm. Yeah. But Brighton's got the yeah, lanes and all those, the you, mean, yeah. you know, the uh, antique mm. places. There's something yeah. lovely about wrapping up warm in the winter in Brighton. I don't know. I love Brighton and I still have a, a fondness for it. So mm. we're going to go see um, see him down there, aren't they? I'm going to take a, a gang a mm. gang down there. Mm. It can be very inhospitable, though. Uh, we've Our flat looks out onto the sea down in Brighton. And there was, I think, the first winter that Mel and I were down there for holidays before we had kids. And the storm came in, and you could see the sea from the from the apartment. You're looking out, and we've got these th things called storm doors. I think we're on the second floor or something. Right. There's storm doors looking out onto the balcony, and the rain was lashing against the windows. And because of the way the wind was blowing in off the sea as well, it was blowing the water from the rain under the door and up the other side, and it was literally coming wow. pouring down the walls, and it was coming down from the flat above ours, which was unoccupied, coming down the walls and all the way in through the building, through the inside of the building. We had to dash to um, B&Q. This was, I think this was on Boxing Day. Wow. On New Year's Eve. And buy Hessian sacks and builders sand. Oh, did you? And make sandbags. We were making sand. I think we took photos and sent them off to my dad. Um, but we were making sandbags in the bath. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I think I'm really drawn to coastal places be maybe because of being born at the at the mm. seaside in Whitley mm. you know Whitley Bay and Monk Seton I find the sea a real calming in influence and I would like to think that we will live near the sea you, you know, like I've always sea. said that as well I love it down there you know so I think it's great I know I love the seaside it's just uh, well, we nearly we nearly got a place, didn't we? When Dad was poorly, when we kept going up to taking yeah. you up to colour coats and time yeah, mouth we did, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, great up there. We're, we're, we're always doing that wherever we go. We always think, oh, it'd be really nice to get a place here, <laughs> doesn't it? Wherever we go. You know what I was just thinking as well. I just you know when you have like a rage about something. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but. You know when you because I've been to the loo so much in the last couple of oh days. No, listen. No, you're right. Yeah, go on. Do you know? Are there certain things in your life that you think I'd love to talk to the inventor of this and say what possessed you to do this? You know when you're on the loo and you've got those toilet things that you have to put your hand up to get the toilet paper mm. from. You know what's the point of those annoying things? Mm. When I'm feeling a bit rudgy, those things really, really annoy me. 
you know what? Do you know the things that I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. I and, mean, I, the other thing as well is listen. This is another thing, right? About toilets. Yeah. When you when you wash your hands, uh, right, and then you've got the Dyson vacuum cleaner that's on the wall. Yeah. Right? It is basically a vacuum cleaner that blows out instead of sucking in, right? Yeah. And it blows the water all over you. No point. Blows the water. No point. So so. So Dyson, one of the richest men in the world, invented this blowing machine, right, that blows at nine million miles an hour. Are they Dyson machines on the wall? Well, yeah, no, no, you've, you've been on them. You put your hands inside them. No, I know them. those, but are they Dysons? Yeah, they're Dyson. Yeah. They're made by Dyson. They've got that cyclone thing inside them. Useless. I was wearing a suit the other night at one of the gigs we were at. We were at some dinner or something, and, and literally... I had a light blue shirt on, put my hands in the thing, blew the water all over my yeah, shirt. No. Light no. blue shirt. Light blue. Light blue shirt to wear at a dinner. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, very it was, brave. It was a bit... I hate casual. hand dryers. I hate hand dryers. That's ridiculous. And what? I hate... Bring back towels. And apparently those hand dryers are not as hygienic as you think that well, they are. Of course they're not, because they're blowing... You, what? It's just blowing everything around the room. But... So the combination of putting your hand up to get that toilet roll that you can never find in those, it's a very stressful experience. It's not a good environment. You guys need to live in Japan. Why is that? What's that there? They've got their hygiene down to a T, haven't they? they I've never been to Japan. They just use the pebble. (laughs) They've got all of their magical toilets that do all the flossing and the brushing and the blowing. Do they? Yeah. Imagine having a toilet that flosses. I have to say, mind, um, I do love a bidet. I didn't, yeah. I didn't used to think I would like one. Where were we when they had when we had that B day? Cobbler's Cove. Was it Barbados. In, in Barbados? Yeah. And I got really used to it then and thought, hmm, I could really the next time I have a place where we put a new toilet well, can, in, I'm gonna have a B day. Live it up because we're gonna be there in two weeks. Yeah, I know. I know. No, sound, but, of, sound of B-Days yeah. in the background. Uh, I'm looking at booking this uh, five star hotel. You do still have the B day yeah. in the room, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the essential, yeah. Well, we're going soon, darling. <clears throat> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. We don't ever stop. I mean, you know this anyway, because you, you work very closely with me. And, you know, we've, we've, all, we've all ended up on this podcast talking together. There's, there's so much going on all the time. There doesn't mm. seem to be like, I'll even text you. So I'm talking to DK at the moment. But I text you sometimes at 11 o'clock at night. You send me a, 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 a PDF of something we've done from the studio, sometimes like 1 a.m. Yeah, I'll only send them after midnight. That's the rule. That's the rule, yeah. <laughs> right, but I mean, I wake up in the morning and I see these things and it's like this, the productivity, I think this, I mean, people think about nine to five. I get that. And I, I mean, I try to make it that I do have my downtime. But I think as well, if you want to... I mean, you were saying it earlier about young people, but like, I think you've got to really work so hard in every single hour that you feel you can. I don't think there should be a set time that people work. You two work very, work very hard. I think it's interesting for people because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know much about the art world. You know, I, I'm certainly one of them, certainly before you guys. I mean, I didn't know anything about the art world and I don't feel that you guys are in the there's a lot of people who see the art world as the sort of Royal Academy and it's all very, it's all very posh and it's all very, very fine art. And you've always been what I consider a bit of an outsider artist. But, you know, people think that when you go to work, that you're stood in a studio painting all day. And I try to explain to people that that is not a small part because you've got to create the work, obviously, to sell. But what you guys do is 
the, the business side of it and, and what has to go into getting stuff packed and sent and everything and framed. And it's, um, it's mind boggling how much work goes in behind the scenes of what you do. Outsider artist on Wikipedia is what I'm classified as, right? That's what they classify me as. But I, when I first saw that, when someone obviously might put this Wikipedia thing up about me and said, yeah, he's an outsider artist and this, and you look into the, what an arts outsider artist is, it's someone obviously who's not, who's on the fringe, who's not in the, in the art world, not accepted, usually found, their art is found when they're dead. So somebody once sat there, probably one of the people in the Royal Academy, sat there and said, yeah, we need to, we need to create some sort of, uh, you know, platform for these outsider artists so they can get on with their bit and we can concentrate on just talking about art. And that's why I like being on this outsider art, you know, fringe side of the art world. But that's where we see, DK and I see, I'm pretty sure I speak from on this one, especially with regards to me as my branding as, a, as an art business you know, it's, I've got to look at myself as a businessman. So there's elements of DK and I, which, uh, which f create the business model. And that's what it's so, sometimes I think as well, what reason I'm saying this is I think sometimes you've got to step outside of your zone. So you step outside of your, of your studio and you talk to your collectors and buyers. You know, now that we're, now that we're here and this has sort of organically become the conversation, so many people ask me questions about you. Obviously we have the we have the loose women constant joke of me talking about Lincoln. We've talked about this before. Denise Welsh talks about Lincoln more than the Lincoln Tourist Board talks about Lincoln and all of these kind of things that people say. And obviously doing that show Unbreakable um, gave people a little insight. But this is, you know, I think this is an opportunity on this platform that we have now to, to talk about you because you and me are a partnership, you make me tick the way I am now is very much a part of you. But I just want to go back to, um, these are the questions that people ask me about you. And I think this is a great opportunity to explain who and what you are. When I asked Lincoln's mum, DK, about what Lincoln was like as a child, she said to me, well, put it this way. I knew I had him, she said, because you were always, if I may say, naughtier than your brother. Mm. You were always very competitive. Do you consider competitive the blue tack on the cars when you had the dinky cars? Do you remember dinky cars, DK? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my little one loves Matchbox cars. Matchbox cars and dinky. They were well, two, yeah, were they? Yeah, a, yeah. And... Um, Lincoln used to have races with his pals and the idea was that you raced the matchbox toys and the one who won, the other person kept both both the cars. No, what it was was we had a hill in our garden and we put we I used to put my matchbox car on the on the hill and I would let it go down the hill and the car that went the furthest mm. kept both cars. Yeah. Yeah. But what Lincoln used to do secretly was put blue tack on his friend's car's wheels. I used to have a little bit of blue tech in my hand and you just stick it inside the wheel. And then I used because as soon as you let go of that car, as far as it goes, right, is, is that's it. You can't touch it again or give it a little bump or anything. They would let it go and it would go literally a couple of inches and stop. And they'd go to go and pick it up and I'd go, no, that's mine. And I don't know where that came from. Right? I don't well, know where that came your from. Your mum well, reckons it was just in you. Well, let, let's go back in time even a bit, even further than that. My mum used to take me to the park. So uh, over, over in Hackney, used to take me in a park when I was about, 
you know, two years old. And I used to have like five footballs. And um, I would get out of my, you know, little pram thing, cop thing, whatever. What was it? What was it? Was it? Was it? What's, I was so long since I was out of one. Stroller thing, yeah, whatever it is, right? Pram. You weren't like well, the pram. You were in a stroller. Yeah, and I'd have five footballs. Five footballs. And there's pictures of me. These five footballs kicking a football around. Oh, yeah, because I'm so into football. Five footballs. Which is not. And I'd see another child with a football. That football I wanted. These five footballs, forget it. I wanted that football. I was off like a shot. And and that I know she said that, that is the end. That must be just purely bred in me. And you didn't that, used that to get feeling. You weren't. You didn't used to get asked back to a lot of houses for tea. You didn't play well with others. Anyway, let's, we'll move on from that side of it. But but let's but let's just let me just ask you the the these questions as well, because I think a lot of what has made you who you are and has led to the fire in your belly <clears throat> was, you know, a tragedy that happened when you were 14 years old. Yeah. Do you want to just talk about that? Because I think it's important to talk about what happened then. Yeah, well, I, I mean... Because I, I can't imagine it. But when I talk about what happened before with regards to, like, you know, the blue tacking and stuff, which is, you know, it's, it's crafty. Um, that's a word my mum had used, crafty. Um, was your mum and dad... Were your mum and dad strict with you when they found out things like that, were they? They didn't really find out things like that, but they will do now. Thanks, Denise. But <laughs> my, but my, my mum has always said, it's just been in your nature. There's this nature and nurture thing. I it's, it's just always been me. The only thing I'd say that came along when you know, we lost my dad, was the, I, the, the fire in me, the fight in me. Tell us about losing surf. your dad, though. What happened where you were and everything? Well, we were in St. Osif in Kent, and we were me and my dad were out running. We went out running in the morning. We were on a caravan site, and we were out running, and we were just coming into the, the home straight. And I said, come on, I'll race you. And you were 14? 14, yeah. And then I basically I set off, um, and he set off, and I just overtook him, and all of a sudden he fell. And I got to the caravan because I thought he was mucking around, like mucking around because I'd overtaken him. He fell and hit the floor. What we then found out was that he'd had such a humongous heart attack that he died on the spot. So then my mum come out of the caravan and it was all, you know, and, the, and I remember a man pulling me away and then taking me into their caravan. And my mum was outside. And then the next thing I recall, like nowadays when I recall it, I recall us both sit, all sitting on a bench, me, my mum. Because Duncan brother. was how old then? Um, old seven, Duncan, eight, yeah, eight. seven or eight, say so eight years old, say, and um, yeah, and we were sitting there, and then my mum had called um, uh, the AA, and I think they recovered the car. My mum uh, didn't drive the car. I remember us all in the AA cabin, and my, my gran had come down to 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 be with us, and that the whole world changed. You know, um, I don't. I it can't was, think of anything. It, I pushed it to the. I mean, I was just, just, just become a teenager, but I'd, you know, it was, it was more to do with. Um, when I think back on it now, it's more to do with how my mum survived and coped with us. Because obviously, you know, when you, you know, when you're younger, you're not really thinking about how your mum coped. But as I've got older, I've, I've understood how. And I've talked to her about incredibly it. strong she is. And, well, she, you know, she said that that she, she just, did, you know, she had to survive. She had to survive. She hadn't really worked. She said that it was in the days where she was very, she feels it was fortunate that your mortgage was paid off. They had a small mortgage on the house. The mortgage was just paid off and cleared. 
any small bank debts were paid off and cleared. But she, within a fortnight of your dad dying, she had a job in the post office. And she said that people would come in and go, Oh, you're right, Jenny. This is odd. I heard that your husband died two weeks ago. Quite shocked that this woman was, you know, up and around and working. She had no choice. And moving on from that, she went to John Lewis and was there until recently. But I think that, you know, as as a family, I've always found it hard that you guys didn't sort of, you didn't talk about that a lot, really, because I think you were, the way you and Dunk dealt with stuff was incredibly different. I think Duncan wouldn't mind me saying that I think he sort of withdrew into himself a lot. Yeah, and well, you got yeah. this fire in your belly, which is you felt so hurt and um, I think, cheated by that. Yeah, I think... Because I had my dad till I was 63. I, I look I at... I can't it, imagine losing my dad at 14 I, I, years I can't... I don't want to either really look at the negativity of it. I want to look at the positiveness, uh, the positive energy and what I felt that I got from it when I took everything else. When I When it all... If you put it all in a pot, the feelings, what's simmered away and what's left at the bottom of the pot is the energy of a man that wants to succeed and do everything he can for his good friends and family. That's how I feel about myself. I'm a very I'm a very straightforward person when it comes to my my You're a very yeah, loyal person. My loyalty, yeah, my loyalty. But just going back to to how all of this spawned an an, an eventual art career, because I think you know, what you've done in your life is 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 just, if you weren't my husband and you were just John Smith, who I'd met, but who had this career now, I would still be fascinated um, by by it. Um, and you, you lent heavily on your dad's dad, your granddad, Bob. Mm -hmm. And he was an amateur artist? Yeah, he was an amateur artist, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he, I mean, it's... It, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know whether I really want to talk about it. Why? Not today. It just doesn't. I don't really feel like it's something that I want to go into. I just feel this. It's very strange. I'm at a bit of a crossway crossroads at the moment with my with my career. I'm very much. Um, I know. I'm, I know that's all looking back, and that's all. You know, my grand my grandfather sort of introduced me to art, um, but I feel like um, I just. I just don't know. I feel like there's so much, I've got so much going on at the moment with regards to trying to build in the right direction and try to get one goal, as in one goal of what my art is truly about to me. So I don't, so I don't um, uh, deviate from that whole goal. I've, I'm, what it is, is I've found that um, I have sort of been looking back on things recently. I've been sort of like seeing where this all came from and, you know, I sit in the studio sometimes and I look at the, look at the artworks. I can't even remember doing them and those, those feelings. And I, I try to dig and try to find out the, 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 the reason I do it. Why do I, why do I approach, you know, those boards or that canvas and start to create these images? And, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta think about it like this, like this as well. It's like, I'm, so me and DK were talking about this the other day. Look at it like this. You say about my granddad being, you know, he was a, my granddad was an engineer and he was an artist. He wanted, I could tell that he wanted to, even at that age, even in my young, even in my teens, it was, it was, art was a big passion to him. And I'm sure if he would have been, if he would have had more of the opportunity, which is, which is uh, 
which is another yeah. another podcast in itself the opportunity and the mindset for instance to make something out of what he's doing creatively but he had a family to support he was a very hard character you know so it probably probably would have been very difficult to talk to him in 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 about the nature of marketing and selling especially in back in the day you know um and it's I look at there's elements of all those things that I must have taken on board when I was young that I have got in me now. For instance, I used to work for a, um, a garden company called D Hardy Garden Construction. Dennis Hardy worked very, very hard. I went to go and work with him when I was 15 because the school let me go. It's the, it's the classic story like Denise always says about my mum phoned up the school and said, could Lincoln leave school? They said, yes, don't worry, Mrs. Townley, you can leave school literally today. <laughs> And they were very happy to see me leave. And I went off and I started working. So my working, you know, I was working before then because I was working. So well, you did your creative, whatever creativity was in you, that wasn't able to be to be um, encouraged because yeah. you had to earn money for the family. So I'm just, I know I'm, I know I'm sidelining a bit at the moment, my grandfather, but I'm going to bring something in because I'm, I'm at a point now where I, I look at all the work that I've put in and this, you know, an incredible amount of, of need to survive make money and 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 just just to be able to live you know and that's how i saw it so i didn't like school didn't like it at all forget it i think it's fucking pointless after time what they what they teach kids and and life started for me my life my living started to work for me when i got out there and got my hands dirty and that's how it started and where i see myself is because i get bombarded with a lot of things i'm taking a bit of a break from social media at the moment so dk's been doing a lot of the stuff from instagram and we're, we're trying to bring it all in-house in the studio because i've well, got I've to get back deleted my twitter app not the account but the app we can come we can come back to much. that we can come back to that but i'm very happy for you, you to talk because i feel so rough you're you're it. asking you're asking <clears> the question and i'm trying to avoid the question about my granddad because at the moment when i sit there i see my granddad in me because and i do i see him in me physically you know he was he was he was, he was about i think he was about five foot six five foot seven my granddad he was he was like Bob Hoskins, he was bald, he was tough. You didn't want to mess with him. And I, I feel like I'm, gro I feel like I'm, I'm growing You're into him. a bit him. taller. A bit taller, but growing into him. And I, and, I, and I can see it. And there's certain things that I think about. I try to value. I try to value things. Where's the value of what I do? All right. So I do the most I can for my family and my close friends, as I say. But where do I go as an artist? I always wondered, I always wondered, why doesn't, why doesn't someone like, you know, you've got, a lot of artists out there, I'm not going to mention any names, but a lot of artists are very, even if they become very successful, they don't share much of their story. They they may show, they show works, they're proud of showing works, they want to be able to promote them and market them, and obviously social media is a big part of that. Well, it was. I don't think it's so much now. Um, but I'm becoming more like that now. I can't, I, I don't, I don't want to share my life on this. It's, I'll tell you what I found. But we're sharing our life on this. No, no, share my life. I'm not sharing my life as my as art. My art, I don't feel I want to share it as in, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. I want to just do it. I've got another um, collector in Eastern Europe who just sits there in the, in a room that got four or five of my pieces, sits there and just enjoys well, watching them. Like watching the television. Do you remember that collector years ago that we went to his house and um, he had, he had this sort of um, big hallway, big, big hallway. And he had Lincoln Townley paintings all around and his wife told us that she will this guy had many issues you know he'd had alcohol issues he'd had drug issues he'd had a troubled mind and he saw himself in Lincoln's work like a lot of people do 
who know the origins of, of Lincoln. And um, she said that she would find him at three or four in the morning and he would just be sat down staring at the staring at Lincoln's work. It was the first time that I'd that I'd had a connection with somebody that was that taken by a piece of art. I've always, oh, that's nice, you know. Um, oh, 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 I love that. That reminds me of being a kid. I love grim art. I love, I love northern northern art. Milk anything with a fish and chip shop. Anything it? with a fish and chip shop. I love <laughs> chippy art. I love <laughs> rainy northern fish and chip art. I don't know yeah, why. Energy to I it. didn't realise that it. I did love it, but yeah. I but I do, I and it. I've got sort of quite into it, you know. I got it. Um, there's a guy called Albert on 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 Twitter who and there's a, a a thing called Grim Art and I've bought a couple and never in my life thought that I would so I understand that liking of um reminds me of wet afternoon and, and I hate the rain it's weird why I like the rainy scenes but the point being is that I met this guy who I I I I, I saw firsthand how Lincoln's work sort of affected of, of, affected him and it was it was interesting so yeah so look that's what i'm saying that's what i just want it to be that when i produce the art i give the art a hundred percent and when i think about the when i think about the way that i'm moving forward i want the work to really just be the only thing that talks about me as a professional in that genre i want the work to be everything and and i because i've noticed these things like for instance this is really interesting like curators don't want to talk to me okay if, uh, people that write for the broadsheets in art would never talk to me right well, that's because they, they're right no but they're right not to because because i've got to earn that and this is where I'm at at the moment. And this is why I find it so interesting. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It slaps you around the face with one hand and it points at you and says, you understand why this is coming at you, right? And it's very interesting because it doesn't, it's not, it's become, I'm becoming more in the, in, the, in the mindset of, and it's not about me looking at anything to do with the Royal Academy or any of these institutions. It's about looking at the real core of what I'm here to produce, and when I produce that work, it is about the greed of the world. It is about what people are willing to do, what they're willing to do. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about, a whole podcast would go on for three or four hours about, about the Soho, my feelings, how I changed when I become a terrifying addict and all those things. These, I mean, this is really, these are all elements of my life. But what they've done is they've compacted themselves into me and I've channeled it in a creative way to show you a form. Where do these images come from? Like when I, like what? Like, well, I'm married to you. I'm surrounded by them. Sometimes I think, oh my God, where do they come from? So to me, what, it's the I, madness, the I madness what it that is, was is, in you and what, the anger that was, there was a lot of anger as a, as a young man. There must have been. Listen, I'll tell you something. What it is, is I've learned to control the anger. But I have so much anger going on sometimes and I control it. I never used to. You can't control it as well if you're using and drinking. You can't control it. That's why I used to lash out all the time in, in Soho. And that's that's another story. And I wrote a book about it. But the point being is, is that I don't, I'm not that man anymore because I'm a sober man. And I work on that. And that's something that, you know, that does show itself in my work because it is there is a cathartic side of, of, of creating uh, my works and that does show in there but there is a there is a survival message in my work there is a 
succeeding message in my work you know i've i've drawn color into my work an awful lot more and this is all subconsciously but i'm very conscious at the moment of what my art is saying about me and how i put my art out there i'm just trying to be very honest with the way that i want to move forward coming up 50 is another thing as another elephant in the room coming up 50 didn't have that feeling when i was coming up 40 certainly didn't have it when i was coming up 30 but 50 for me i'm like how Number one, how have I even arrived here? How have I even survived to 50? I mean, then there's a lot of people in my life that would say, yeah, I totally get that, Lincoln. And, and that's where I, I am. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, you are someone who has, you know, described yourself, I don't know whether you publicly have or just to me, as a salesman who is who is a good painter because like you said you were a sales director of a of a car company when you were 27 years old mm-hmm. um which is you know for someone who didn't have any training in that at all well you well you did were you trained within what i mean is you didn't go to university or college to to you just were a very naturally good salesperson yeah and i was then, good at presenting uh, uh, you know a you, subject. Were, you were at top of the tree you had the money you had the flash cars you had all of that and then you, you left to pursue your own business you lost a big contract and everything went yeah that's right you're yeah. somebody who's had a lot of money at 27 years old and then you lost everything to the point that they literally came and took your car away from you didn't you i mean it was mm-hmm. that yeah yeah it you was know, all, it was messy yeah. Which is always what attracts me to somebody, DKs, people who are survivors, always. Um, and then from that, you built yourself up again. Yeah. Is but it- what I mean is that as an artist, you haven't just allowed, you haven't had the, the background of all of these supportive mechanisms like your Royal Academies. You haven't had family money. You know, there's a lot of people that I always used to say to you. All of this thing, it happens in my industry as well. People say, well, you shouldn't be an actress for the money. You shouldn't be an artist for the money. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Who else is going to pay for us? So I think that you shouldn't apologise for saying that some things are about the money. But I think that sometimes you've had to work so hard on marketing and selling yourself to become the successful artist you are that sometimes the being in the studio and painting has sort of taken a back seat. So to me, it's music to my ears to hear that you that, that, that you want to go in a different direction for now. Yeah, I want to go deeper. It, it's 
But I always think that sometimes when the work's flowing and it, and it, I've got it all in, I've got it all in my mind, and I'm I'm really getting that feeling of of this is what I'm delivering to the world as my art. Okay, I want it to be really true. And then what happens is I get involved in sort of, as I say, the sort of marketing side, and then it works in a different way for me. I start to lose the actual feeling of the work. I don't think you should l- stop though. I think what the videos that you put out, which are motivational. For, for not necessarily younger artists, but but less successful artists are huge because that's where our Instagram feeds have a completely different demographic. Oh, yeah. But where, where people do come from your feed to mine is to say, wow, I'm not an artist, I do another job. But your husband's video that he did about motivation and selling and pushing yourself and, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter, 96 knows it's one more step to a yes and all of those kind of things. Um, you know, even people in the life coaching world have, have said to me, oh my God, this is my job. But I saw, an, a, you know, one of your husband's vid- videos and I, and I think that those are important. Yeah, they are important. Yeah. It's, it's Without a doubt, that those are the videos that get the most metrics, like they get the most feedback, they get the most views and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I know that Lincoln is motivated to do those things and he wants to do them, but it, does it take away from what the energy you're putting into your art or does Probably. it enhance that energy? I don't know. What you do know, you what think? What part of you wants to give that out into the world as opposed to channeling it back into your work? I always try to focus it on young artists um, because I don't feel they're given any chance with regards to sustaining a living. In the way that you weren't given a chance. Yeah, I mean, I was a lot older than them. It seems that a lot of artists are taught how to paint, but not, not how to sell. There is a very encapsulated way of looking at this. It's, it's basically mindset, okay? So I always try to look at it that, um, like, I'll put out some things and I'll say, you know, um, it's, it, it's all depends how you think of these things, you know? It's, it's to do with what's in your mind, how you wake up in the morning, you know, what, what, is, what is the first thing you think of? Um, you know, I mentioned it the other day about training, you know, going to the gym, training, or even going out for a run or a walk or whatever it is, or doing some press-ups as I get out of bed. Why can't I do them? Why can't I do them? Because it's mindset. And everything I do, all of my mindset is about positioning and selling my art. I promise you, if you were to cut me in half, you would see sales and marketing, sales and marketing. Do you think that you're so scared of not having anything again? Yes. Uh, the fear is number one. people have accused you of thinking about nothing but money. That's actually completely not the truth at all. And Lincoln's money motivation comes from protecting his family. Because without a doubt, money does not bring you happiness, but it makes being miserable a lot easier. And and you've got, you know, we've been able to look after my my dad. We've been able to look after his, you know, being able to look after after your family family, is a a massive thing. But I don't think that's a greed thing. That's just wanting... To never go back to where you were. Well, there certainly is an element of greed with me, and I'm just being honest. Because if I did, if I said there wasn't, I'd be lying. I'm interested in greed. I feel I am a greedy person as well. 
I see greed as an energy, and that's that. I mean, I can't do anything about that. That's how I feel. It's, it's like having, it's like the five footballs and wanting to go and get the other football. It's there, it's in me. It's part of my DNA. Now, I, all I try to do is I try to encapsulate that and share that. And I do, I concentrate on young artists that contact me and I speak to and I see the work of because I just feel like they don't, they haven't, they don't get given a chance when they're at art school or they go through college or whatever it boils down to. It's always got to do with just think about the art. The money will follow if it's good enough. It's not right you know they've got to be able to be given the chance of at least understanding the marketing processes that you can take on board out there even though social media is changing you can still use networking and communication and try to get as many art agents and galleries as you can yes i used to say you don't need a gallery but it's nice if you've got galleries and you can work with them and they want to work with you the way you want to work and it's not just about them manipulating what they want from you as in what they want you to create because it's not they know what they can sell Dan's trying to tell me to calm down on this, but it's true because I believe you can only, you, your mindset, you've got to have the mindset of what you want to achieve in one area. It's very true. DK said this to me. It's very true. I think you've got to be focused on one thing and then say, right, okay, that's, that's working how I want it to work. Now I'm going to focus on this because you sort of, you get into a rhythm of something that can work for you. Then you can change your mindset on something else, whether it's health or nutrition or any of these things, spending more time with your family, whatever it boils down to. But all of these things, you've got to get all these points right in one go. I think it's overwhelming. And I think what's happened to me is it has become overwhelming because I, I, I'm in a lot of shows, which I've now, we've now started to work on. Like DK said, let's find people that will do the shows for us. You know, we're in a position where we can get, you know, a, a gallery that wants to work with us. And we have a very good understanding with just the same as we've just opened in Art Miami right now. You know, it's just coming up now. It opens today, actually. And, th and the point being is that's a great thing. But you've got to hunt these things down. So your it's thing about galleries is, I think people have got confused as well. You're you're not against galleries as a model. You're against galleries exclusively. You know when because you 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 were you sell in many different ways, and a gallery can be one of them. As opposed to the old the old thing, which was you have to be represented by a gallery in order to be able to sell. You've proved that you don't. Well, yeah. I mean, look at it this way. So you get you get represented by a gallery. Okay. So let's say you. Yes, so yeah, you're a young artist of any age, right? You get represented by a gallery. You go and take your work in there on the Monday, or they come and collect the work. And then, you know, end of that week, you're thinking, I wonder if they sold me if you had any interest. You ring them up. I've had this. And they ring up. And, you know, why are you ringing us? Why are you ringing us? Oh, just ringing to see if you've had any interest in the works. Look, you settle yourself down, mate. You carry on painting. We told you what to paint. We love the ones that are blue. Okay? We want some more of those. We'll get back to you in a month's time. Leave us to do our job. Mm, well, that doesn't wash with me. No. Now, what I've got to the point of being is, is I'm involved with some very, um, very professional outfits. Okay. And we do look at regionalizing areas, which is fine by me now. So we say, yeah, if you want America, you know, we're going to work with you on America and we will, we will, you know, do everything we can to help you and have the work. But we, we do want to see what shows you're doing. And we go with galleries that have got that reach. Now I've got to that point now. So what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to truly, truly get to the art side of my life. You know, it's interesting because I've always found you interesting. It's really way back in the beginning of our relationship, DK, I've always said one of the things that drew me to Lincoln was he could be talking about the price of beans in Scandinavia, something I'm not that interested in, but Lincoln would make me interested in it. And I think finding each other interesting in a relationship 
is is very important. And I could listen to you talk about this all day. I want to take you back, though, as the interviewer in me, as to why you moved away to the small element of your granddad and yet continued to talk on. Why did you? Why do you think you did that? Um. I think it's getting older. I think it is that I'm going to be... Are you frightened of getting older, even though you're with a wife who's 87,000 years old? Um, no, I'm not frightened of getting older. Um, I'm frightened of health deterioration. Um, so there's a even difference Even though you're there. fit and healthy? Yeah, but there is a difference. But diff your dad died of a heart attack when you were 14. That has got to be... Yes, it has. I mean, believe you me, so he was 42 years old. And I remember when you were approaching 42. Yeah, 42. And it, it was, was a really you know, hard time for I wanted to get past that 42. I mean, anyone would. I mean, it's of just... Of course. You know, I it's it's one of those things where I'm, I'm just trying to look at, I suppose being the best person I can be in all elements of my life. And and that's something that needs to be worked on. You know, it needs to be worked on. I want to, you know, I want to be a, I want to be a, a good husband, a good father, you know, to, and now to a my good stepsons granddad. as well as my son and, and, and as well are. a granddad coming up. And, and that, yeah, that's, so that is, that is one side of it. I just think, no, I just think it's because when you mention about um, Bob, I, there is parts of me that feels that, um, you know, uh, that, family um outweighs all of these other um ambitions that i have about where my art's going and time our family you know, is at the heart of everything time that do, time goes so quickly right so that's that's another thing time goes so quickly and i and i thought the other day it was, it was just interesting somebody said about um um about me writing about me and um a close friend of mine who works in public relations said to me they're not interested in your link they're not interested in you they don't want to talk about you as an artist you were on unbreakable i'm going to be honest about this you know this is what happened and it's so i've i have elements i wanted to do that show with you we had fun doing that i, I mean and we always said whatever the outcome the of thing, it and we had some great laughs and, and we, we had we were, some we were amongst some great people in this mad place and we just had a lot i loved it and it was just i suppose someone who was close to me that basically said oh you shouldn't have done that it wasn't the right move for your well, career I think, I think the and point I, the point that they made was that that you had been for a long time you know if you remember dk you know, when we first, um, well, you, 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 you won't because we didn't know you then. But, you know, when we first got together, we, we were in the madness, as it were. We were on the front of every single weekly magazine cover on a regular basis with Denise Welsh's Toy Boy. You know, I, I mean, when my dad died, he had kept, bless him, everything to do with me and to do with Lincoln, and to do with my ex-husband, Tim, and with the kids, bless him. Mm. You know, there was reviews of mine from when I was 21 at drama school and and and, and those first newspapers that everybody, that you have when you, you know, when the local town concert guardian is, is pleased that you've gone to drama school. He'd kept everything, but he'd also kept every single magazine cover that I'd been on. And a lot were lovely, but mostly it was Denise in Drink Hell, Marriage Hell, Booze Hell, This Hell, That Hell. And then, of course, Lincoln was it was in. And because Lincoln worked at Stringfellows, it was adult entertainer, the sleaze of life. And I think that what this person meant by the unbreakable thing was that he felt that you had put yourself back in the Denise Welsh's husband thing. Now, 
you are my husband well, yeah. and you're proud of being my husband. That's so right. you didn't give a shit about that. <laughs> you, we, we can't get away with who, who we are. But we also decided that we were in a confident enough position in our careers that if we want to take a sidestep and do something like Unbreakable, we can purely for the experience. Because you get to an age where I am now, DK, where... Everything I used to do was based on how will this affect my career? And I've, I've done enough by mistake to completely adversely sometimes affect my, uh, affect my career. But I remain relevant at 64, um, which, is hard, which is hard because a lot of people aren't. And we know this is a very ageist industry, as, as, as are many industries. And I'm still working and, 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 you know, people still want to talk to me. They still want me to do photo shoots and all of those things. But that's not easy. It's, again, a bit like the swan. Everything looks like it's all happening, but the swan's little legs are going, are going under. So I, I took umbrage at that, at that comment by, you know, somebody that I consider to be a friend who said that about, about you with un Unbreakable. But um, I didn't, I mean, you know, like I say, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously it must have hit a nerve because I'm talking about it, but it's a, it's a fact that, you know, I'm, I'm successful in what I do as an artist. That's it. But I, I always, as a family man. I always like it. Uh -huh. I always like it that we don't take ourselves seriously, but we take we our take work, our work seriously. very seriously. That's always the the, the, right? the mantra by which we live our lives. Yeah, so that's the way we are. You know, doing that show was just fun, and we we had we had some fun, and we we are who we are. The world has changed so much, and that's why you know we've we've always um, we've always liked um, to muck around and and have some fun, and we do have some fun with what we do. But I just think this this is where the podcast comes into it. Is to is. You know, I might feel like talking more about Bob and, and, and my granddad and, you know, that's my granddad and, and talking about that. And I would, but at the moment, I don't. But that's the reality of this whole thing. Yeah, but I don't want you to go into the ins and outs of it. It's just, it's, a, it, it's the, it, as part of your story, that the part of your granddad teaching you to stretch a canvas is something that put art into you. But of course, because of the nature of what happened in your family with your dad dying and you having to become the man of the house, any artistic ambitions, which were obviously sown by, you know, by that age, weren't allowed to be, you know, my parents were in a position where when I was 17 and going to go to teach a training college, I was going to teach drama. I didn't think of being an actress. It wasn't, I didn't go to a type of school where actors came from. I think the actor Alan Armstrong had been to concert grammar school, but that was about it. And, and I was in a position where my dad said to me, I don't think you should be a teacher. I think that you, that you won't enjoy it. I think it's not for you. And I think you should go and go to drama school and be an actress. When I got to drama school, I realised that I think I was the only person at that drama school where the parents had said, don't do the job where you'll have a regular job, go and be an actress. They'd all said, please don't be an actress or an actor, go and be a teacher. When I played a fictitious teacher in Waterloo Road, I had a great time being a shit teacher. I think I would have been one in real life because I have the greatest of respect for teachers, especially having done a documentary where I had to go back to my old school to be a teacher called Playing the Part. And dear God... That was, I know your wife is a teacher, DK, and believe you me, if anyone has respect for teachers, it's me, especially in this day and age where they, you know, they don't, they've had all their powers taken away from them as, you know, it's it, a lot of it, it's, and it's all red tape and all this malarkey, but anyway, that's another, an, another story. 
people are always interested in people like you, Lincoln, because they look up to you as to how you've you, you've built an, an international art career in, in, in 10 years from someone who didn't get an O-level, you know, or a GCSE, whatever they call it. You, you, you had to leave school. You were a bit of a, you know, you weren't a wrong and you weren't in trouble with the law, but you were, you know, that was a potential side for you to go down because yeah, you were, you were rebellious. Yeah. That's another story. Yeah. But it's an interesting story yeah, because but... people always ask me, how did this happen? You know, and yeah. and you 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 sold the club for Peter. So again, you were a salesman, and you made a success out of that. The only reason why that ended was because Peter Stringfellow knew that you were in a bad way. Yeah, he tried all he could to help me and get me onto the AA program and all those <clears> sorts <throat> of things. He knew I had a massive problem, um, and in the end, the best thing he could do was sack me, which he did. And it was at that point that we met. <laughs> mm, it was, yeah, yeah, it was. You know, in a, a, a the the old story. But since then, you know, we 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 listen. We work together, and um, we work together on our lives. You know, we work together in life, don't we? So it's it's just a matter of you know we we as I yeah, say we, I th we take our work very seriously. But I do. think it's I I, th I think the story is important because there's a lot of people who are not young. They're maybe forty-ish, which is the age that you became an artist, and they don't feel they've ever fulfilled their potential. They don't feel they've ever really known what they want to do. And I think that your story gives people hope that it doesn't always matter that you don't know what you that, what you want to do. You didn't know what you really wanted to do until you were forty years old. Obviously, the love of a good woman helped, and here she is. Um, but you know, you didn't know until. Mm. And I, and I bought you some pretty shit canvases one day because I didn't know one canvas for the next. I bought you a, a set of paints. I went to uh, away on holiday with my dad. You were looking after Louis, mm -hmm. your stepson, that yeah. you know that you'd not really been a stepdad to very long. And I'd had the episode of depression. I came back and you had painted my depression. And I was gobsmacked by these weird images that I came back to. But I was, I don't know anything about art. I know a little bit more now. But I knew that what I saw blew me away because I didn't know this person. had. I'd seen a few paintings under the bed when we were in the very early days of art. And he said, oh, it's just stuff that I would come in and sort of, you know, get my frustrations out on a, on, on a canvas. But I didn't really take much notice to that side of his life because he wasn't presenting them to me. I just saw them there. And, um, but those, those, those paintings that you did, the fact that you've now grown them into what you have, that's, you know, not many artists can sell. It's like with a lot of actors. How many times do you hear that story that you've got an actor who is so cripplingly shy in real life? The thought of doing an interview is terrifying to them, but you get them on stage and they, they, they they blossom. That's their natural their natural home, and I think it's a lot of, a lot of people like that with artists that they're absolutely brilliant artists, but the thought of selling that work and going out there is impossible for them. So therefore, they've got to rely on places like galleries, but they don't have the confidence to approach the galleries. And I think that it, that's why it's very unusual with someone like you mm. that you have the ability to create these genius pieces but you are a salesman in your core. Yeah. Nobody can sell your work as well as you can. But, you know, it's, um, it's just it's interesting to talk about it um, mm. because it's, um, 
it, it's it's the next stage. It's the next stage of where I'm at. We just happened to have brought it up when I was sitting there the other day in my studio, looking at the paintings, thinking, this is what it's all about. This is, I can really feel it in there. Because Do you it's sometimes feel, DK, as Lincoln's studio manager? Because, I mean, I think your relationship, I find, as an amateur psychologist, always fascinating, you know, because you're very different personalities, but you have created this very successful business between the two of you. I know you've butted heads before. I mean, I live with Lincoln. I know what he's like to live with. Um, you are a completely different character. How do you sometimes feel that with Lincoln, you have to try and pull him back and channel him into what? Do you? Do you? I think. I think yesterday might have been the first day that I've done that, actually. I have felt that before, but I've always not said anything because I've wanted to see where it goes. Just explain that a bit more. Well, Lincoln mean? is such a driving force of his own career and his own thinking. And it's been a very steep learning curve for me to work with someone like him. I can imagine. I've always been the bar manager or the business owner or kind of the top of my tree. And... Generally, the people I've had working with me or for me have been very, very good people, but they take direction from me. So working with Lincoln is the, really the first time since I was quite young in my career that I've worked with someone who has a very fixed view of where they're going, mm -hmm. ever, ever developing, but a very concrete view of where they want to go and a, very, and, a, and a confidence about them. So it's very interesting for me over the, over the years to have just supported him in trying to get where he wants to go and where I, what I think I can add to that vision. So I've not felt in a position to challenge and to say, let's not go that way, let's, let's pull it back. Until now, now I think we've been working together enough years and we've been through our yes. ups and downs, haven't we, mm. that I think we can be honest. And to be honest, I've sometimes got to the point where I've wanted to pack it in with you yeah and just say well it's just not worth it like mm -hmm. it's causing me sleepless nights yeah you know? and you know, things happen at home in your home life and things happen and, in your and, professional and, life and, don't they? And, Where you... and him too you're, yeah, you know yeah. we've sent you that from both... each other but exactly. but now but it comes to the point and it's come to the point with my personal relationships as well with friends and family where you just get to the point where you just think why, why would you let it get to that stage yeah. where you're yeah. just not being honest with someone yeah at the very early stage, you know, uh -huh. as soon as you start to feel something that's not quite right or you think, no, I need, I need to voice that, but you don't, that's where it starts to get... It starts to eat control. away in you, yeah, eat I get away you. And it's only going to get worse. So when you talk about just recently, what what is it that you think that you've challenged Lincoln about? About uh, Do you think he's diversifying too much and he needs to... That's pull? always been my biggest problem, and I can see that in Lincoln as well. And we've always tried to do a lot. And I think it might have yeah. been might have been luck that over the years we tried to do a lot, and some of those things have been hugely successful. The other things haven't been, but they've been that those haven't been relevant because the stuff that's been successful has been very successful. Yeah. We've learned from the things that don't work. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and, and DK put it into a nutshell, as in because you know, we we because we're we're, we're we're always moving forward, always moving forward. We don't we don't ever stand still, but it's about looking at channeling all that movement forward into one goal well you now know, we're is, reaching higher aren't we we're trying to reach higher than we we're have trying before, to reach higher so we need yeah. to 
focus yeah. now. We really need to, we're, we're setting a five year goal for the for the studio, and we we're, and we need to be able to achieve that with one vision, one goalpost to go at. That's it, and that's you know, I mean, that's our business. Um, I won't go into that, but that is what we're doing. So where we've had so many other things, so many other, you know, like um, we've had so we've had a lot of. I have many many ideas that that I can see when I no, when I talk, you don't say. when I talk to DK about them. I know, because I know him well enough now, that I know I'm thinking, oh, I've got to make this a little bit more convincing, otherwise I'm going to lose him completely. Because, and I get that, and I appreciate that, because what, what it is, is, is that DK is very meticulous in being able to, you know, get everything on a spreadsheet and understand what actually works and what delivers. So we do learn from these things, but I'll go then bombastically into some other idea. And actually what's happened is now is it's like no link. We've got to do this. Yeah. And that is, to me, a, been a real big eye-opener for me because I've just thought, no, that, I know exactly what we need to do now and we need to do it. And we're focused on it. It's a bit like I'll say, I'm going to be in tomorrow at 11 and I don't show up because I'm doing something and I'm painting this or I'm in the gym and I'm thinking, yeah, that's it. I'm back on track. I'm going to get a personal trainer. I've got to be able to mindset. It's about mindset. And what, it's, what it does is it pulls me back in again. But, you know, and DK... Um, just recently, uh, when I said I'm going to be in, and he'll say, "Oh yeah, all right, we'll see," uh, and it, and that I don't like no. because that makes me feel, me feel I'm letting that, that you're letting the him studio down. Because down. Yes. the studio is me and DK, yeah. and that's it. And and um, when I when I when I do think about it, this is this is another thing. It's it's all down to it's all down to my background. But if I've got all these other ideas going on about I'm looking at that, I'm looking at this. I mentioned it even yesterday about different platforms and different social environments that we could look at advertising on and these things. <coughs> it's basically over because a lot of these places now are really giving you what you want. Like my son sends me these funny uh, stuff and yeah, videos and things. I know. They're hilarious. <coughs> because I Sorry, click, I'm just reminding you that I'm... Because I click to view them... I then get 10 more and yeah. 20 more and 30 more. Yeah. And I don't see the people I'm following. I and know. I don't, it's, I know. it's not a way of, social media has changed so much. It's just basically feeding you all those things. I've had to. Um, because it's, said, it's entertainment. I said earlier, DK, I've, um, I don't want to, you know, I've got five over five and a half, no, 550,000, you know, viewers on, on uh, not viewers, what do you call followers, followers on Twitter. On, yeah. on, on Twitter. Um, not all of those follow me because they like me. They follow me because they find me quite controversial. And um, and I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose those. So I don't want to, um, and I'm scared of all the Elon Musk stuff and I don't understand. I'm frightened to deactivate my account and take a break in case I don't get it back again. So I've just deleted the app. So I'm not looking at it because I found that I'm getting... You're not posting at the moment. I'm not posting at the minute. Only since yesterday. Okay. You know, I I need a I need a break. Obviously, I got hugely involved in the Matt Hancock stuff. Mm. <clears throat> There's other issues on there at the moment that you're not hearing about in the mainstream news. It's all on Twitter. But my frustration at things not being in the mainstream news is, is making me angry, and I'm sick of being like angry woman in my head. Has that had an impact on uh, this cold coming down with this cold? You that's think? interesting. You should say that because that's what Doctor Lincoln said to me earlier. <laughs> Lincoln. 
Didn't that's you? What I, that's what I said, and I say, and I and I he believe thinks that it, it destroys my immune system. It yep. makes me vulnerable mm-hmm. when I get really upset and stressed. I do. I'll be connected. I do take. Be connected. I do take on the world. The world. I was looking at China, you know, with this ridiculous, utterly ridiculous zero COVID thing that they're going for, and these poor little children who've been in quarantine, you know, f- from day. It's it's a terrible, terrible situation out there. Um. It's just awful. And I can't help. But but you're hearing most of it on Twitter and and, and seeing the photos on Twitter and, 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 and seeing the, you know, the arguments about it on Twitter. And I find myself drawn into it. And there is nothing I can do about the situation in China. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't care about it, because I'm if you're an empathetic person, you should care about the world. Get really frustrated when people go, what do you care about what's happening in Canada? You don't live there. It's like, fuck off. I don't just not care about it because it doesn't affect my life. But you I do, have to do, get yeah. to the point where... I can, I can't, it's 64, I can't waste whatever time left I've got on this earth by investing too much in stuff I can't do something about. I can do something about other people's mental health by talking about my own, which I do. That does help other people. And you know, but I have to try and start looking after myself. Like you guys have just pointed out, I'm poorly now. Okay, there's a lot of stuff going around. But it's interesting that you said that and Lincoln said that in the car to me when we were having a bit of a rudgy thing because I felt poorly and I wasn't in the mood for working, but I but I feel I should come to work. Now I'm really glad I did because it's given me an opportunity to, you know, sit back for once be quiet and let Lincoln do a lot of the talking, which has suited me fine today. But I, 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 he's answered a lot of questions that people who ask me every day about Lincoln. So this is a great platform for, for me to talk to him about him, you know. Um, but it's interesting you say that about the, about the immune system. And so I just thought I have to take myself away from Twitter. It's a real vile cesspit a lot of the time. It can be great for debate and it is great for information. And also bearing in mind, I get very frustrated. I've got a few friends of mine who I love dearly, but to me, they have an ostrich attitude to life. Now, sometimes I envy that ability to do that, to just completely put your head in the sand and say, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, don't talk to me about that. I have no idea what's going on in the world. I don't know who's going out with who, and that's fine. It's all very superficial, but I don't know, you know, this. And and I think, my God, it must be lovely to just go through life and not know anything. I mean, I do a topical TV show, so I have an obligation to know what's going on in the world. But I don't need to invest myself in stuff that I can't do something about. So I'm just kind of... Instagram isn't like that for me. Instagram is a very different... Um, it's where I put more celebratory things about myself on there. And all of the the feedback, at least the stuff I'm looking at is is all I have a lovely uh, a lovely bunch of followers on there who just kind of lift me up so it's very it's very different if I'm on reels my reels are all about um toddlers saying cute things and for some reason puppies I'm not really that much of a of a dog person I love dogs but I it's like you know 
It drives me mad when my friends show me, oh, look at my dog doing a really funny thing. It's like, it's not funny. Please stop showing me the funny dog thing. And yet my reels are full of funny dog things, which I actually find quite amusing. I don't know. But I'm quite happy with that. I'm quite happy with fluffy Instagram in my head. It's quite nice space for me to be. I'll bring next week. Eh? I'll bring my Frank in next Frank week. Yes, I know. I, well, I'm desperate to have, have a you dog. Met him? I don't think I've met Frank. I've not met Frank. I am. Um, I would like to um, have a dog. I've always had dogs um, as a grown-up, really, for a long time. But I do understand Lincoln putting his foot down because the way we live our life is that we are. Tomorrow we're going here. The next day we're going here. Next day we're going here. But yeah, this, you can drop him off with us. Well. You see, there's something about having a dog that I feel, and it's... Oh, it's, dear me. No, 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 no. My, a very good friend of mine said to me recently, I'm getting a dog in December, or, or whenever she said. And I said, that is ridiculous. Your life is too busy. You have to go out in the evening because of your job. And she said to me, I'm doing too much. I need a dog to focus me. She doesn't have children. She's only in her early 30s. <clears throat> she said, but I need a dog to make me not do as much. And there is something about... I get that. There is something about that. We do like mm -hmm. to go abroad as much as possible. We do like to do that. But I do miss having a dog in my life. And there is something that is making me think it would just channel me a bit. Ground you? Ground me a little bit. Would I then go on to have postnatal dog depression because I feel I've taken on a responsibility that that I can't fulfil? I don't know. But, and, and Lincoln doesn't like little sort of yappy ratty dogs and I don't want a little yappy ratty dog either. I want a little, um, I'd love like say a little, what kind's Frank? Cockapoo. He's a cockapoo. I love cockapoos. But I would like something like a little, because I always had boxers. So I maybe like a little a little boxer version, like a Boston Terrier right. that looks like, rah, looks like when Lincoln describes his granddad, <laughs> like a little <laughs> bob like that, but is quite small enough to be able to pick up and take. My sister would go absolutely bananas with me. And it's funny, I do, I do live with a fear of judgment from Debbie as well. Um... What would she go mad at you for? Because she'd think it was stupid. She'd love it. But the last time, <laughs> right, so we had this, uh, my ex-husband Tim and I had this boxer called Sadie. And she was the most wonderful, wonderful dog. I mean, I still get choked up when I think of her. And she, when she was seven, she choked on a stick. Mm. And I was having a, in the middle of a breakdown Maybe doing a, a pantomime nice at Stockport. Oh. And um, I was in a terrible, terrible mental state. The first show I ever had to pull out of in my life. First one ever happened, first, never since. I was in a terrible state and Sadie died and the tsunami happened. It was like the worst Christmas time ever. It still stays with me that. And Sadie died. And we then went out and we bought, um, when I was well enough, we, we, were, <laughs> we bought two boxer um, we bought two boxer bitches from the same litter. And when we couldn't train them and someone said to me, who on earth told you, a trainer said, to get two boxer bitches from the same um, litter? Um, I said, Betty, 
from Coronation Street. And someone said, well, Betty should have stuck to fucking hot pot because it is the worst thing that you could have done. And when these dogs were together, they went into pack mode. Roxy and Pip. I then had to say to my sister, Deb, you know, we've bought these two dogs. Well, we just need to train them separately. So would you just take Roxy for a few weeks? Of course, Roxy stayed and died there when she was 14 years old and Deborah loved the absolute bones of her. So I can just see me getting another dog and Debbie thinking that I'm going to go, Deb, you know, we've bought this dog. Um, but I don't know how we've got onto dogs, but, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I think that you're being logical about it, but I still... And also, it's a 15-year commitment. We have to accept. Mm -hmm. It's a 15-year commitment. And, and Lincoln's much younger than me. So if I pop me clogs, he'll still have uh, he'll still have the dog. What do you think, DK? Do you think it's a good way of grounding you? I mean, you've was, got 84 uh, well, children as well. Well, now, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that was a, a lot of the reason that we got Frank. Mel wanted Frank for many years, and I eventually relented thinking... Because I always wanted a dog as well, always, always, always. But I knew that it was going to be a lot of work. But I thought it would ground me in the sense of I'd be going out every day, good for your mental health, good to clear your brain, good to get fresh air, all those things. It's coincided with us, as you say, Denise, <laughs> having more children, which have taken priority. Like we said very early on, we were going to prioritise the kids, not the dog. Yeah, we have a lovely dog. I mean, I trained him very early very strictly yes because it i do kind believe of in to be i believe in strictly training the dogs yeah. yeah and so we do get a lot of praise for how well behaved he is but he kind of has to be that way with having little kids around absolutely to be that way but we've actually grown in quite a good network now of friends um, who will look around after us who look after him so he's with someone today who lives around the corner from us and on a wednesday he goes somewhere else and can you not bring him into work when you're doing something yeah, like this yesterday yes. yeah he was yes, sniffing around lincoln's ankles yesterday yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, my our, our dogs were very, very well trained. And and I think with some of our friends, um, their dogs are not well trained. And so it, it, and it drives me mad because with Pip, yes, she would wiggle a little stumpy tail and bark if someone came to the door. Oh, we're not jumping up but or then, anything. She's but then lovely. as soon as people came in and you went, Pip, she was finger trained, mm. you know. And my ex-husband was very, very good at training, mm. at training the dog. And I know that Lincoln would be, what the trainer said to me is people Disney up their dogs. Mm. That's what they do. And I'm not saying you should have your dog sleep in a kennel and all of that kind of stuff, but I do believe they are pack animals and they respond to boundaries and tra and, yeah. and, and and training and that and and I believe that. But um, am I am I talking you round to the possibility? No, of but I'm about very it? much looking forward to going to Barbados. I could I do with a cup of coffee, actually. Yeah, you said the word Barbados. I think that'll be our out. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. we'll pick up in Barbados. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're gonna we're gonna do that. I want it. To, I want to do that when we're like want us to sit down by the beach and talk about what we're up to. Yeah, and just talk about and then just, stuff. I'll just download it and send it to DK. So, guys, if there's anything that you've ever heard me talking about that you'd like to hear more of, or indeed anything you can suggest that me, DK, and Lincoln can bring to the table, contact me on denisewelshpod at gmail.com. And um, indeed, if you've got any questions, ask away. We'd love to hear from you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.